1770, Captain Cook discovered Australia. Sixty years later, the city of Sydney, capital of New South Wales, had grown on the edge of three million square miles of unknown land. The colony exported raw material. It imported material even more raw. Prisoners, many of them unjustly convicted, who were to be shaped into the pioneers of a great dominion. In 1831, King William has sent a new governor to rule the colony. And now our story begins. Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically. My name is Jeff, and I review all of Alfred Hitchcock's movies in the order they were released, and I'm doing it all in the year 2021, every Wednesday. There's 52 movies, there's 52 Wednesdays. Makes sense? Great. I'm over halfway through, and the light at the end of the tunnel is uh, starting to appear, and I don't mean that as to say the end of the podcast. we still got a ways to go. However, we are creeping very close to the classics. But did I watch a classic Hitchcock movie? I watched Under Capricorn. Came out in 1949. And most notably stars Ingrid Bergman. And she's been in the last couple of our movies. Or has shown up in various degrees. And she's great. Uh, and She's great here. A little melodramatic. Which I'm going to blame on Hitch. And really film of that era. Because I know she knows how to not be that way. Because of Notorious. And how much I love that movie. So this is a period piece, as you heard. It's colonial Australia. And uh, the new governor is there. And his nephew shows up. And uh, basically his nephew's there to put down roots. I'm not sure exactly why or how. But uh, he's from Ireland. And he goes to the bank to get a loan. And uh, he meets a gentleman by the name of... Uh, Samuel Flusky. Uh, he, he recognizes the name, but he's not sure from where. And uh, they sort of... So Samuel is a man who used to be a criminal. Uh, he had, was a criminal in the UK and got shipped into, the, uh, into Australia. And once he served his penance, his term, he's able to live as a free man, keeping in mind the fact that he not break the law again. And what he's doing here is buying up property and uh, real estate, especially in a new colony like this, I'm guessing is quite lucrative place to be. But the problem is, is that he's bought as much land as the government will allow. So he tasks our lead in this movie, uh, Mr. Adair, to buy land at a normal rate and then Sam will come back and buy it from him. And that starts their little business transaction. They go back to... Now, now... <clears throat> golly. Let me clear my throat. Ha! Ha! <sighs> That's better. This movie feels completely different than what a Hitchcock movie would feel like. But let me say this. This is a love triangle. His early works were all love triangles and we're back at it. And but... 
that being said, this is the best one he's made to date. Love triangle wise. And it's probably because of the performances. So I'm on the fence about this one. But what I'm not on the fence about is the characters. I love the characters in this movie. Mr. Adair, Samuel Flusky, and his wife, played by Ingrid Bergman, who is Mrs. Flusky. Uh, they call her Hattie, which is short for Henrietta. Now, Charles Adair, who is the cousin, the son, the nephew of this dude, uh, of the, the new governor of New South Wales, he so after all right well i don't know how to explain this scene so mr adair decides to go see his uncle and his uncle's like yeah come on in and he's in the bathtub now this is a colonial bathtub because it's really just like a half barrel he's sitting naked in and washing himself while conducting business with his right-hand man and his cousins there. And he tells his cousin, you need to stay away from Sam Flusky. He's a former criminal, and you just need to not bring that sort of uh, shame on the family, I guess, or whatever. But Charles Adair is not a man to listen to rules. He goes there to the Flusky residence for dinner. And it's supposed to be like this huge party where Mr. Flusky has invited all his friends and their wives. And of the women that are invited, 0% show up. All of the men have a reason for their wives not to show up. And the feeling that you get is because Mr. Flusky's wife, Hattie, is not much of a host. But she does come downstairs at, early, at some point during the night. And you can tell she is inebriated and just kind of out of it, floaty. Uh, and she eventually is like, I don't feel well. Again, this is Ingrid Bergman, who's awesome. She's going to go up to her room. And she sees something on the bed. Not sure what. Well, Mr. Adair goes up to help her. He doesn't see whatever it is she thinks she sees, but he fires his gun to pretend he's killed it and sets her to bed. He comes downstairs and he says, you have a rat problem. And they're like, what rats? I haven't seen any rats. He goes, trust me. There's a rat in New South Wales, which I, I like the line. It kind of is like, there's something, there's someone doing evil in this household. And the mystery of it helps drive you forward. Why are these women not coming? And I thought there was going to be more of a mystery around that, but it's really not. It's just that uh, Ingrid Bergman's character is sort of an embarrassment, I guess. But she comes from a, a more savory lineage than Mr. Flusky does, because again, he's a former criminal. Now, the tale is that she was in love with Mr. Flusky and followed him to Australia when he got caught doing whatever crime it was. And it turns out that crime was he killed Ingrid Bergman's brother. So why would you follow the guy to another country that killed your brother? And you can just tell that Hattie is totally depressed. She's an alcoholic. They, they, there's a point where they find all these bottles in her room. And um, so Mr. Adair has set it upon himself to make her well again. And he does this by saying kind words and being kind and telling her who she is. 
uh, she doesn't have a mirror in her house, but he gets her one to see how beautiful she is. And uh, he, she starts to believe in herself and he talks her into taking control of her household because the house is ran by Millie, who is like the head uh, maid or whatever you want to call it. She pretty much runs things in this house to the point where Hattie is afraid of her. He says, well, go do this. Well, she wouldn't like that. Well, you run the house. And this part really reminds me of Rebecca, um, where the she just has to put her foot down and start taking over. And so as she does that, Millie embarrasses Lady Hattie in front of everyone by exposing all the bottles she had in her room. And this embarrasses her, and she goes back into her shell. And uh, Mr. Flusky's like, you know what? You tried. Told you it wouldn't work. Goodbye. Mr. Adair is, Charles Adair is not thrown off that easily. This is a stubborn man in the best way. So he climbs up through her window and gets her out of bed and shakes her up and says, come on, let's go. You know, we. he just keeps pushing her to be better and taking control of her house. And eventually this makes Millie fed up and she leaves. And now everything's kind of going good, even to the point where our very good friend, uh, Mr. Adair, forges a invitation to the governor's ball. Uh, he is trying to get Ingrid Bergman to go. Now, you start to see the love triangle shit take shape here now, right? Because obviously Sam doesn't know how to care for his wife emotionally. He just doesn't. He's it's it's a mystery to him, whereas Mr. Adair knows how to. And of course, that's what Ingrid Bergman would want. She would want to fall for a guy who would know how to take care of her emotionally. And uh, they get ready to go to this ball. And Sam is so excited to have his wife back that he buys her a beautiful dress and he insists on being the one to do that. Now, he says he's not going to go because he knows that as a former criminal, he's not going to be welcome. Keep in mind, neither of them are welcome. Even on the guest list, it specifically says that Charles Adair is not allowed in. And when he gets to the front door, the guy is like, oh, I'm sorry, you're not here. What do you? And Charles Adair is like, well, I've never seen so much incompetence. I'm going to talk to the governor and just walks right in. I'm extremely sorry, sir, but you're not on the list. You must be an extremely incompetent fellow. I shall most certainly report you to the governor. I'm very sorry, sir. Before they get there, though, Sam had bought some rubies, like a ruby necklace to put on her. And they didn't know that he had already bought this. And they go to talk about, ah, rubies would clash with this. That's not a good idea. Both Ingrid Bergman and Mr. Adair say that, and he is sort of ashamed. So while they're out at the party... Who shows back up but Millie? Okay. And she's a fantastic actress. Margaret Layton uh, plays Millie. And she is excellent uh, in this, as being this manipulative, evil uh, person in the story. And the rat in New South Wales is Millie. She gets it into, and she does it with this reverse psychology. Very well done. Uh, the scene kind of drags, though, like it goes on and on. But she says, you know, hey, it's great that you can trust 
your wife with this guy, even though I saw them kissing in the room, but you know better than me, you can trust her. And she just kind of bears down on that till he starts to believe her and he makes his way to the party and he makes a huge scene and it, it drives Ingrid crazy and she leaves the party embarrassed. And the next scene you see is Mr. Adair and her at their home at Ingrid's home. And she says, the reason I am so loyal to Sam is because I'm the one who killed my brother. She had killed him in self-defense. And that's something that's in these early movies a couple times, I think, where it's self-defense. I think if you go back to blackmail, it's the same thing. It's self-defense, but there is no self-defense plea, I guess. And so it's just going to be straight up murder you're going to be guilty for. But he kill, she kills her brother in self-defense, but he takes the fall for it. Sam decides to take the fall for it so she doesn't have to go to prison. And that's why she's so loyal to him. But now he thinks that she's having an affair with the dare, which has not happened. They have shared a kiss. It never gets sexual, but it's certainly an emotional affair. But I don't ever think that a dare steps over the line. I mean, I think he wants to. And I think she's just in such a vulnerable place. Um, like part of the thing is she's had an illness for a long time. There's a fight. All right. So after they, the Sam comes in the room after she tells him the story and Sam is like, you need to get out of here talking to Mr. Adair. I'm done with you. You know, you've kind of ruined everything. Get out of here. So <laughs> Mr. Adair, who doesn't know how to ride a horse, apparently decides to steal one of Sam's horses. He falls off and the leg of the mare breaks. And so now on top of already having Sam mad at him, Sam now has to go and kill one of his prize horses. And when he comes back, they kind of struggle and uh, there's an accidental shot and Adair is hit. Now, Adair doesn't die. He goes to the hospital. He recovers. I don't want you to wait around with bated breath. He's fine. But during this time, Millie has reestablished herself as the, the, the head of the house. And this is symbolized by the keys she wears around her waist. These are the keys to all the rooms. And whoever has the keys sort of is representative of the person who runs things around here. And they have a, a, a kitchen staff who's like physically abused by Millie <laughs> often. Um, and when Ingrid Bergman takes over, the first thing she does is she burns the whip that they'd been being whipped with. And she leads in a much more firm uh, but kind way. But now that Millie's back in charge, you know, some doctors have come and diagnosed she's sick again or whatever, but it's starting to become apparent that Millie's causing this. And indeed, uh, there's a point where Ingrid Bergman wakes up in the middle of the night to see uh, Millie poison her drink. And she's the one that's keeping her sick. And she actually, at this point, intends to kill Ingrid Bergman's character because uh, Sam is going to go with Ingrid Bergman to the courts and everything because uh, she has now confessed to being the one that killed her her brother to keep Sam from getting the death penalty for what he's done to Mr. Adair in that fight, that accidental shooting. It's kind of keeping all that straight. They find out. So there's a shrunken head in her bed. <laughs> like she keeps seeing things again. And this time though, she sees a shrunken head. 
and uh, which is just what it sounds like, a shrunk, a shrunk corpse head. And it was placed there by Millie, who I'm guessing is a witch or something. And you see that she puts it and stores it away. But anyway, as she's about to drink this poison, Ingrid Bergman, she screams out. Sam comes up and Millie gets found out for being the person that she is. And you, they establish that she, Millie, is in love with Sam, but won't ever pursue it any further than just a secret love because she knows she's out of his class or whatever. It's dumb. It's not dumb, but it's dumb of her. Well, they kick her out. And they're getting ready to ship. Um, so essentially the way the law is working here, they need someone to, because they're getting conflicting stories about this shooting. So they're getting, the law is getting like three different things. A, that uh, Sam has purposefully shot with the intent of killing um, Mr. Adair. And if that were the case, he could possibly be hanged as a former criminal. The other thing is, is that it was an accident and just a misunderstanding, at which point nothing needs to happen. But nobody's professing that other than Sam. Or the flip side is that Ingrid killed her brother. Therefore, Sam was never criminal. And this would only be his first offense and therefore would not need to be killed. Okay, so you've got all that going on. Well, this is all handled pretty quickly because Ingrid finally gets to talk with Mr. Adair and he basically clears Sam and actually kind of blames himself for being shot, even though that's not what happened. But it's the easiest way to make this kind of go away. And at the end of this movie, Mr. Adair and Sam are friends. They shake hands as Mr. Adair goes back to Ireland. Ingrid Bergman's character, Hattie and Sam, are a happy married couple. And I don't think I can do the movie justice as far as what I've told you. And I don't know that it warrants a watch. But it is very good characters. And I think the love story is told so well compared to everything else that Hitchcock has done love story wise. This is one of the stronger ones. The setting is different. It's this colonial Australia which makes it feel different than any Hitchcock movie I've watched before. It's also pretty boring in parts. There's that the scene I just kind of grazed over where she tells uh, Mr. Adair about the killing of her brother. It goes on and on. It just keeps going. And she's like super melodramatic about it. And I hated that. But then Sam comes in the room at the end of the conversation and that tension picks right back up. There's so much good here that the bad is easy to ignore. And there's not a ton of bad, but it's mostly just some scenes overstay their welcome. And this has a two hour runtime. And it seems like I would like it if Mr. Hitchcock would keep it around a buck and a half. That seems to be the sweet spot. Some of my favorite movies of his are around that time frame. You know, as we get later in the, his filmography, I'm sure we'll see some longer ones that are still good, but uh, that's, under Capricorn. This is one that I have been really just, it took me a bit of time to actually sit down and watch this because I fired it up and the opening scene of Australia and it being historical and blah, blah. Like I just didn't want to watch it. And then I sat down and I watched the first 30 minutes and I said, okay, that's enough of this. And then I went to bed 
And the next day, I finished the film. And then I went and did a bunch of chores. As usually, I like to record right away because it's fresh in my mind and I can spit it out. But I went and did a bunch of chores and then I took a shower and then I laid down. Then I made some lunch and now I'm recording. I needed time to weigh everything here, but the characters are great. And that's there, there's four main characters. All of them are very well acted. All of them are very well written. All of their motivations are clear and it's just good, concise storytelling. I say concise, even though there's some things that could be cut out either way. Uh, it, it was worth a watch, I guess, but it's not something I would say, go out of your way to check out. Now, next week, uh, we jump to 1950. We are now in the fifties and boy is, are things going to pick up pretty quick here, but not quite yet. Uh, cause our next movie is called stage fright. Well, and I'm not too familiar with this one, but the one after this one is strangers on a train, which is probably his most famous movie that I've not seen. Uh, maybe the man who knew too much is in there too, but, um, I'm really looking forward to strangers on a train, but I got to get through a, a, a stage fright first. And I, don't think that's going to be a huge problem. Um, the synopsis of it is a struggling actress tries to help a friend prove his innocence after he's accused of murdering the husband of a high society entertainer. Could it be good? Maybe. Could it be bad? Oh, probably. Uh, there aren't any like returning big name actors in this from what we've seen in the past. Um, however, now this is what I don't I didn't know this. So Patricia Hitchcock is in this next movie. And I thought she had only made an appearance in Psycho. Patricia Hitchcock is the daughter of Alfred Hitchcock. And uh, but apparently she makes an appearance here. And uh, I had thought that it was only in Psycho. So shows you what I know. This movie runs for an hour and 50 minutes. Can't wait. So anyway, uh, that's it. If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so at Hitchcock chronologically at gmail.com. You can go to facebook.com and uh, close the window because I don't have anything there. But which you can go to twitter.com at podcast by Jeff or click on the discord link in the description. And, uh, you know, that'll take you to the budget arcade discord and we can hang out there. So next week is stage fright. And then after that, baby, it's going to start picking up quick. Thanks for listening.